Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. So I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24, the conclusion of our series called First. Paul, the apostle, writing in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, he says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? but one receives the prize. Can you imagine the scene? Maybe it's the Olympics, maybe it's the marathon in the Olympics or the 8,000 meters or whatever it is, and there's a crowd of people running, they're jostling. Some are going ahead, some are waiting back and pacing themselves. Some are, are, are uh, running as fast as they can right at the start of the race, and everybody's running, but at the end of the race, only one is going to get the prize, which stands on the victor's podium. The music of their national anthem plays. Tears start rolling down their face. Their flag gets raised, and they get given a trophy and a medal. And they get told all of those years and hours of hard work and sacrifice were worth it. You have become the winner of this race. You're the best in the world. Only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Another verse says, run that you may get the prize. That you may be first. And that's what we're talking about today. How do I run a race in God's economy? The way that God says I should to be first. How at the end of my life can I break through the tape into the glory of heaven and the crowds are shouting and Jesus says well done good and faithful servant you were first and you know God doesn't tell us to do it if we can't do it you say to me how can everyone be first I don't really know but by the end of today we're going to see that you can be first in your race and it's a wonderful lesson verse 25 everyone who competes for the prize is temperate or self-controlled or self-disciplined in all things. You know, they eat a certain way. They control their sleep. They, they control their social lives. They're, just every part of their life is just focused on, on training for the race. Everyone is temperate in all things. They do it to obtain a perishable crown. Even, even all the glory of winning an Olympic prize is perishable. It doesn't last. But we do it for an imperishable crown. The glory and the prize that we are running for is worthwhile because it lasts forever. It's imperishable. No one can take it away. It will still be ours in centuries time. Therefore, verse 26, I run thus, not with uncertainty. In other words, not vaguely and, and, and aimlessly. Not with uncertainty. I've got to focus. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. I'm not just hitting out and trying different things and hoping they work. I've got a plan and a purpose and a focus. Verse 27, but I discipline my body. Another version says I buffet my body. And that word means hit yourself in the face. Actually, the original Greek. He says I I, I master my body. And I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So I've got three points today. The first is that you and I 
are in a race. You're either in a race in this world system. You might say, I am not an athlete. I'm not running a race. I don't train early in the morning. I don't run several miles a week. But actually, all of us are focused on something. Some of us are aimless runners. Some of us just go along with the crowd. And if the crowd say, we're going out for drinks after work, we go, ha, 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 and we run along with them. But all of us are running somewhere and focusing on something. Many, many, many people in the world are just pushed along by the crowd. And they're, they're just running a race that everybody else is jostling them along into. But Christians have said, there's another finish line. The worldly race has a starting line when I get born and a fin finish line somewhere towards the end of my life. But the Christian says there's another finish line and it's a heavenly finish line. And they have changed their race. You and I are in a race. And a race involves a start and a finish. It involves some lanes and some rules and some guidelines that I need to run along. It involves teammates or competitors, maybe a bit of both. You know, in some races, you run in a team of six of you and you're all in the same team trying to win. But then towards the end, even amongst the six of you, one of you tries to win. There's, there's teammates and there's competitors, there's guidelines, there's a finish line. You and I are in a race and there is a prize and it's important for us to think about this it's important for us to realize to open our eyes and say actually the bible says i'm running a race and then i sit back and i start to consider where am i in my race how am i running what am i running for and am i getting my guidance from the world around me or am i getting my guidance from god so my first point is you're in a race. The main thing that we need to consider is what kind of prize do we need to, do we want to win? Do we want the world's adulation and glory? Do we want the pleasures and the riches of the world? Or are we looking for an imperishable prize? And so before I go on, I, I need to ask all of us to think about this. You were born into a race, the human race. Many of us then chose to get into the rat race of business and the world's way of doing things. But now I'm asking you to consider getting into God's race, like Paul the Apostle did. The great Paul the Apostle. You know, he was born into a, a, a great family. He was a Roman citizen and a Jewish rabbi. He had the best of both worlds. He had riches, he had intellect, he had adulation. Everyone thought he was great. But he says, I consider all of those things rubbish when I found out about Christ. And I just want to focus on him and press on for the prize, for the high calling of God. So, which race are we running? My second point is that it's best not to jog. We need to run to win. Even in worldly things, people who just go along with the flow end up coming fifth or sixth or seventh, or even second, but you don't get the prize. We know instinctively, and the world tells us, there are so many books and motivational talks that tell us, this is how you focus, you discipline, you work, you narrow down your goals. And you make strategies of how to get there. 
The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is one of the best-selling books of all time because people know I want to win a prize. It's best not to jog, but I want to tell you that you can focus all your energy and be running in the wrong direction. There was a rugby match that I was watching once when I was a teenager. And one of the boys in one of the teams got hit on the head in a particularly hard tackle encounter with another player. And he, he had a concussion, but he didn't realize it. And in the next few minutes, the ball came to him, and he grabbed the ball, and he ran as fast as he could for the try line. And he was dodging players, and he was pushing players out of the way, and he was bashing through tackles, and he was running with all of his might, and he put the ball down, but because he had a concussion, he didn't realize he'd put the ball down on his own try line. He was completely confused. And it is possible for us to live our whole lives and gain the whole world, Jesus said, and realize it's not worth a hill of beans. But it's good to run fast. And I'm going to just name a few things that can stop us as Christians from running fast in our race. Number one, distractions and sins. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, We're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us run with endurance or perseverance the race marked out or set before us. But then it says, Let us lay aside every weight and every sin that ensnares or entangles us. You can be entangled and ensnared by the previous race. You know, when we become a Christian, we jump out of the one lane, the race that the world is running in, or the rat race off the, the hamster wheel, and we run in God's lane, but it's possible that we are still looking at that other race, and our heart is still attracted to those things, and we still are ensnared by that other world. And the world just pulls our attention and our focus. And maybe it's, it's pleasures or riches that you don't want to get rid of. Maybe it's sins that you just can't get free of. But actually, they're going to stop us. They're going to pull us back. And Paul says, I discipline my body so that I can get through this. One of the things that will pull you back is the distractions and the sins of this world. You might say to me, well, how can I be free? We did a, a teaching at the maturity course recently on a, on a Thursday night last week, sorry, the week before last, about how we can be free from sin. And I want to tell you, you can be free from sin. Romans 8 verses 1 to 4 says we can fulfill the righteous requirements of God through the Spirit, not through our self-effort. You can be free. You can, and it's a wonderful, joyous thing. When you're running along and you, you're weighed down and suddenly you're free from all that weight and you can just run with freedom, it is a wonderful thing. So that's the first thing that stops you from running fast or running to win. The second thing is other people. Other people. And I'm talking about other Christians now. And this is where my talk gets a little bit controversial and a little bit unusual. Paul clearly says in 1 Corinthians 9.24, in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way that you may get the prize. And what he's saying is that you are running with a whole bunch of Christians. 
We are running a race, but he's clearly saying that you and I should run to win and be better Christians than the Christians around us. And this is an unusual message. How do I run so that the Christians around me are my teammates? I love them and I help them and I push them along and I, I make them the best runners they can be and yet I win the race. How can I do that? In Mark chapter 9 verse 35, the disciples were arguing about which of them was the greatest disciple. And Jesus knew about it and he asked them what they were talking about and they kind of mumbled and muttered. And he said, whoever wants to be first must be last. Whoever becomes the servant of all is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. There is a way that we can push other Christians forward, that we can lay down our lives for other Christians, that we can build them up and actually it makes us win the race, win our race. That's one aspect of other people around us. If I'm selfish, uh, I, don't, I don't come first in this Christian race. The second aspect is when I keep my focus not on Jesus, that passage in Hebrews 12 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. He is the one who's already run this race before us and we're watching him, but sometimes we let our focus get onto our other Christians around us. And so, there's a great pastor or preacher who we love and he's helped us grow in the Lord and he's taught us so many things and he sins. He has an affair or he steals some money or he starts teaching false doctrine. And our focus is not on Jesus, it's on Him, and it makes us stop running our race. Is that not true? What about when another Christian is a hypocrite or a group of Christians, and we see them and we judge them, and we say, that Christian is bad, they're not running their race properly, and because of that, we slow down our race. In Romans 14, he says, who are you to judge uh, another master's servant to his own master he stands or falls he's saying leave it to God to sort them out what about you and your race run to win run to be the best Christian you can be and don't allow another Christian's sin or failure or faults or even the way they've sinned against you don't allow that to hold you back interesting and then lastly, in this point, we can become dulled and, and kind of sleepy if the Christians around us are sleepy. Have you ever seen this? I've seen it where a, a group of Christians get together in a small group, a, a cell group, a life group, a home group, and they start to settle down to the lowest common denominator there may be somebody in their group who's a very lukewarm Christian and that person always speaks doubt and they always speak negative and they speak against the Bible and against other Christians and against the church and rather than the other Christians saying no we're gonna press on to win they say let's just settle down to this person's level and become all of us lukewarm out of a sense of 
I don't know what it is, community, and let's not, let's not be too horrible to the person. And so we just settle down and we go to the lowest common denominator. And Paul says, we're all running. Don't run to lose, run to win. Run to be a better Christian than them. Pull them up to your level rather than you sink down to theirs. And it sounds harsh. It sounds harsh to say you must compete with other Christians, but Paul is clearly saying, don't let other Christians pull you back. You go forward and you'll pull them forward with you. In our culture, in our Western culture, we love the underdog. And we hate to confront and to be horrible to anyone. And so rather than be rude and confrontational, when somebody says, I doubt God's word, I don't think that Christian is good, I, I'm full of doubt and unbelief, rather than saying, come on, let's move forward, we say, yes, you're probably right. When somebody starts speaking badly about another Christian, rather than saying, come on, brother or sister, let's get back on track with God, we say nothing. And Paul says, run to win. Lastly, you can be disqualified. He says in verse 27, I discipline my body, I bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified. This is my last point, my third point, is that the reason we run to win is because if we run slowly, if we jog, if we don't push for the finish line, there is a risk that we will become sluggish, that we will become hard-hearted. You know what hard-heartedness is? It's when I hear God telling me or prompting me to do something. In Hebrews 4, he says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. God speaks to you and he says, come forward, my dear child. Run faster. I've got more for you. I've got great things for you. Believe, trust, obey, enjoy, serve, excel. And I allow other things, perhaps other people, perhaps the distractions of the world, whatever it is, I allow something else to just dull me down and I don't listen and my heart becomes less sensitive to God's word. And if I keep doing that over and over and over again, again, this is a controversial teaching, but I need to tell you the word of God says that there is a possibility that you will reach a point where your, your heart is so hard that you divorce God. Paul says, the great apostle Paul says, I'm beating my body so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified. I'm running my race to win because I know that if I'm settling for second best or, or mediocre, there is a chance that I will get to the end of my race and I will not cross the finish line. I'll just slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down and stop. And he says, he actually goes on. In the very next chapter, he talks about how the Israelites, many of them didn't make the promised land. And he says, let he who thinks he stands beware lest he fall. 
The reason I must run to win is because mediocrity brings with it a risk of hard-heartedness, and I may eventually give up my Christianity. Now, there are large parts of the body of Christ who teach it is impossible for you to lose your salvation. Large parts. And I respect them because they're lovely Christians. But I disagree with them because the Word of God says in so many places, it is possible. It is possible to lose your salvation. Here he says it. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4, he talks about those who've tasted the Word of God and the heavenly gift and the powers of the age to come. And they, they're wonderful Christians. And then he says they can fall away. And it's impossible for them to repent again because their hearts have become so hard that they can't turn back to God. And he says, I'm warning you. And what is the symptom or what is the way to, to avoid this is to run to win. He says, if you're running, jogging along, just going with the crowd, just being Mr. Average Christian, there is a chance you can get so bogged down that you lose your salvation. Let me read you a couple of those verses. So, Hebrews chapter 6. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God, and put him to open shame. And just in case you're worried, have I done this? Have I gone too far? I need to make it very clear to you. He says the sign that you have gone too far is you can no longer repent, which means if you have in your heart a concern about this and you can turn back to God and say, God, I'm sorry, then you haven't gone too far because you can still repent. The sign that you've gone too far is your heart no longer wants to repent. You're so hard-hearted, you just don't want to turn back to God anymore. But if you still can, you haven't gone too far. I'm going to close with a parable that Jesus told. And this is why it's so important that we run our own race. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus told a parable about a, a ruler who went away for a long time and he gave his money to three of his servants to look after. Three of his slaves. That word servant is slave, which tells me that slaves in Bible times were entrusted with a lot of important things. He gave five talents of gold to one of his servants. Now a talent of gold was worth hundreds of thousands of pounds. It was like a gold bar. So he gave him over a million pounds worth of money to look after. He said, here are five talents of gold, servant. And it says he gave it to him according to what he could handle. You might be a person that God has given five talents to. You might be the person who has sailed through academic life. You are good at singing or acting or sports or whatever it is. You might be a five talent person and you've compared yourself to other people around you and you've said they are less talented let me bring myself down to their level whatever they can do I'll just sell just about the same and I'll, I'll just coast along and do a little bit 
But that five talent servant, when the master came back, he said, what have you done with the five talents that I gave you? And the servant said, I put it to work and I earned five talents more. What did the master say? Matthew 25. This is what the master said to that servant. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter the joy of your Lord. Interestingly, that even though he had five talents of gold, which was worth millions, the master, Jesus, said, that's a few things. You see, when we compare ourselves to other humans, you may be the best human around. You may be more talented, more wealthy, from the best family. You may have everything this world has to offer, but you still are in God's sight the holder of a few things. It's, it's tiny. It's like a couple of beggars, one feeling better than the other because he has two pennies when the other one only has one penny. Jesus said it's a few things. We mustn't compare ourselves with each other. The second servant had two talents, still a lot. In our, in our economy, still hundreds of thousands of pounds worth. And he put it to work and he earned another two talents. And you know what the master said to him? Exactly the same commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I want you to see that if he had compared himself to the five talent servant, he would have said, I've done less. I've run my race less effectively. I haven't preached to as many. I haven't done as much for the Lord. I haven't given as much money. I haven't done as much as Mr. Five Talents. But in Jesus' eyes, the master says, you have done just as well because what I gave you, you used to the fullest extent that you could. I want to encourage you if you're here today, do not compare yourself to other people. Run the race that God has given you to run. Fix your eyes on Jesus. If someone else does better, don't feel bad. If someone else does worse, don't let them pull you down to their level. Say, I am running to win. But then the last servant only had one talent. And again, in the master's eyes, that's still much of a muchness. Five, two, one, they're all little pocket change. But he felt inferior. He said to the master, I was afraid. He felt weak, fearful. And he thought the master was a harsh ruler. He said, I, I, I knew you were a harsh ruler. He thought that God was trying to judge him and be harsh with him. Whereas the other two realized the master's given me five talents because he believes in me and he wants me to succeed. Where are you today, my dear friend? Do you feel inferior? Have you hidden your talent? Because that's what the one talent man did. He buried it in the ground. He said, I can't do anything. I can't do as well as Mr. Two Talents. I can't do as well as Mr. Five Talents. The master's harsh and he's going to judge me. I'm afraid. Let me do nothing. And at the end of this parable, he was cast out into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want to say to you, God has given you the opportunities and the abilities 
that he wants you to have because he knows what you can handle. And if you will just use what he's given you, run the race to win and not compare yourself to others and say, I'm going to be the best Christian I can be no matter what happens around me. You can stand on that winner's podium and God can say, well done, good and faithful servant. You may not have done as much as that one or as little as that one, but you've done what I gave you to do. Well done. Enter into your master's happiness. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.